0: Hello and welcome to the second episode of the On The Hash podcast, brought to you by Cover Zero with George Holly. Today we welcome former Colorado State Ram and current Madden 22 producer, Clint Oldenburg. Welcome to Another episode of On The Hash, we have a very special guest this week. I'm pumped to have him, a Gillette, Wyoming native, Colorado State Ram, Clint Oldenburg is with us. And uh, I've known Clint for, for, for a long time, from Brandon Alconsell, heck of a football player all the way up and through, and now he's with Madden. And so welcome, Clint. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, man. How are you?
0: Doing well, doing well. Uh, I want to talk about and start off with, Kind of growing up in Gillette, Wyoming, uh, playing football, basketball there. A lot of people may not know. I think you were the uh, MVP of your state high school basketball championship game and then going to, to Colorado State. What was that like?
1: Yeah. So you could throwing it way back there. Um, growing up in Wyoming is great. Small town. Everyone knows everyone and sports is king there, you know, outside of maybe rodeo. Uh, but love growing up there uh, my dad was a coach my entire childhood coach at the high school coached football and track and also was a weight room coach so i had access to sports basically from the time i could walk so always loved uh loved being around sports got to go to the high school football practice after elementary school every day um and so that's just what i grew up in and that's what i've, I've made my career out of and i'm thankful for that uh in terms of you know you mentioned basketball funny enough, Most folks who saw me play sports in high school in Wyoming would likely tell you I was a better basketball player than football player. Uh, I would probably argue the same thing at the time. I was a tall, skinny kid, um, and I played basketball nine months out of the year, and I played football three months out of the year. (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, being 6'6 in the basketball world is actually pretty short. (laughs) And uh, I was a post player at 6'6 to boot, so whatever I could get done in high school wasn't going to work in college. Uh, but I did have the frame for football, um, so that that career ended up being the, the route I went.
0: Who recruited you when you, when, when you came out and Colorado State comes down, and I'm sure Wyoming probably came across campus. Uh, talk about that for a minute. Who, who recruited you, who came in, and who specifically, which coach came in from Colorado State?
1: Um, I started getting recruited my junior year, and I'm not sure if it was production-based or just my frame. I had a good frame, which I think is what most coaches were interested in. Um, But I was hearing from, obviously, University of Wyoming, Colorado State, Montana State, and then a lot of the schools around the area, you know, Shadron State, Nebraska. I was getting letters from uh, really all over the country, most walk-on offers, Um, but I got a lot of interest from the Ivy League because I had really good grades. Uh, So that was something that I flirted with for a little while. Um, Ultimately, it came down to Wyoming and Colorado State were my final two, and I think Colorado State found me because they they had been recruiting Mike Baumhoff the year before and played running back for us in Gillette. Ended up playing running back and linebacker at Colorado State, and they saw me on his film. And that's how Colorado State found me, and their running backs coach at the time, Mick Delaney, uh, who spent a lot of time at Montana State prior and after Colorado State, uh, was the one who who originally recruited me.
0: Man, that's crazy. Um, I remember remember the name Mike Baumhoff, and it's. It's weird now, looking back, and now it's almost like Wyoming coming in and recruiting all Colorado, Colorado kids, and Colorado State really not, not recruiting a bunch of them. So it's kind of weird how that's kind of transitioned now, even currently. But, um, it's uh, you look and and you talk about Colorado State back back when you played there. I mean, they were a powerhouse, top twenty-five. They'd be on ESPN Thursday Night Football against the BYUs, the Boise States. Holiday Bowl win, I
1: believe. I don't know if you were on that team. Were you on that team? No, that was that was before me, but what I tell people, they ask about that. We were we were Boise State before Boise. We were always playing those Thursday night games and beating the big boys. Um and that's what drew me to Colorado State is I was seeing them play those Thursday night games and in, in the top 25. And we won uh we won the conference the year before I got there and my freshman year that I redshirted, we won the championship those two years. You know, you guys, uh, and, and, and,
0: you know, back then Colorado state had guys like uh, Moses Moreno into Bradley Van Pelt and Justin Holland playing quarterback. And then you had before you, Joey Porter, but you know, you, you played with and you were part of an O-line that had a lot of NFL talent and a couple good coaches in, you know, John Benton and Daryl Funk. Uh, Can you talk about how those coaches and the guys you played with really helped your career?
1: Yeah. I would start by saying the coaching staff that we had when I signed on at Colorado State was a big part of the success that they'd had. And as you know, when you have a lot of success, you get taken to bigger schools. And so we lost over the course of my five-year career at Colorado State, we lost almost the entire coaching staff to other schools outside of Coach Lubick, Sonny Lubick, the head coach. Uh, coach Benton's a great coach. He's still a coach today. And he, he was big on technique. He taught guys how to play the position Coach Bunk, uh, who replaced Benton after he left, was more of a scheme guy, both very good in their own right. Um, and I played mostly for when Benton was there, I was still a tight end. I came in as a tight end. I didn't switch the offensive line until my sophomore year. By that time, Coach Bunk was the head coach. Um, but I have great relationships with the, both of those guys, and they both taught me a lot about how to become a good offensive lineman because tight end, I was tight end and Gillette. Came in playing a lot of, you know, split out wide catching touchdown passes with my height in Wyoming. And then I'm all of a a sudden playing weak guard my sophomore year. I never blocked anyone in my life. So (laughs) any any success or perceived success that I had is definitely credited to those two guys.
0: What did you learn? I know that, you know, you talked to some guys that played on your team. And by and large, everyone just glows about Coach Lubick. What stood out to you about Coach Lubick and playing for Coach Lubick?
1: The thing I love about Coach Lubick the most is he was just as concerned about his players' well-being off the field as he was on the field. And I still carry this with me today. What I, One thing I learned from him among hundreds of things was treat everybody with the same level of respect, and that's the utmost respect. He said it treat me the same way you're going to treat the janitor who's cleaning up our locker room. Make sure you treat the equipment guys the same way you're going to treat your professor. Everyone everyone uh, deserves your respect because they're all here on this campus to serve you and make your experience the best experience it can be. Um, and I've, I've tried to use that uh, throughout my life to treat everyone with the utmost respect. And that's what coach cared about, and that's why I think he was successful because he cared about his players. He had uh, He was very humble, The players he coached were humble and he was a guy that you just wanted to win for. And he didn't even demand that you win for him. It was just inherent. You just wanted to win for
0: him. That means a lot. You know what I mean? And just listening to you and seeing how much he means for you and and to you. And like I said, I've heard a bunch of guys just talk glowingly, you know, and talk about how he asked about their parents all the time and truly cared about you guys. And I think, um, as an outsider looking in, you could see the success you had, and it really hasn't been replicated since he left. Really, to a large extent, there's been brief periods, but um, you know he was a heck of a coach, man, for sure.
1: Yeah, and he he still does that to me today. Um, I still see him every now and then when I'm traveling back in Colorado. I make sure to stop in and see him. And he'll still ask me how my mom's doing by name and how my grandmother's doing by name. He remembers everybody. And, uh, you know, that's why the, the tail end of his career at CSU, we weren't winning as many games. And, you know, I still feel terrible about that because I was a part of that. He didn't get to leave on the terms that he, he absolutely deserved, uh, being, being able to leave coaching on a winner. Um, but he loves Colorado State and he wouldn't trade that for the world.
0: On The Hash is brought to you by Exist Tribe, a company bringing sleep technology to the world. Those of you that know me know that I preach that mental health is a priority in everyone's life. From breath work, to cold therapy, to sleeping, we must prioritize ourselves and our mental health to be more present with our players and family. Exist Tribe is dedicated to improving the sleep health of the world by offering sleep technologies and furthering sleep science. For more information, please visit ExistTribe.com. And you, you were fortunate enough that they developed you into, into a, a great football player, and you were selected in the fifth round of the two seven, 2007 draft by the Patriots. What was that like going in, uh, coming from Colorado State, Mountain West? You're going in, drafting the fifth round, great experience, uh, going to camp there, and then you start a what would be about a five-year NFL career. Uh, what was that
1: like? Um, it was a whirlwind, really, uh, from start to finish. Uh, certainly wouldn't trade it for the world. Wish I could have played longer. Wish I could have had a more successful career. Beginning, though, was was I did not expect to get drafted. My agent really didn't expect me to get drafted. We thought there was some potential, but um, weren't really counting on it. We were really looking at where we were going to go as an undrafted free agent And there was a number of teams willing to sign me as an undrafted free agent And when I got that call from the Patriots, was out, of, out of the blue the patriots hadn't been in contact with me at all it's kind of funny because my brother and i lived there in an apartment in fort collins and he's a huge patriots fan he's got tom brady stuff all over the living room on the wall you know everywhere and uh i get the call and it's coach bill belichick telling me that they're gonna take me with the next pick and it's like surreal right yeah uh, so you know a lifelong dream come true just in receiving that call and then you go through a period of time where you're kind of on top of the world. You're like, I just got drafted. Everyone wants to talk to me, so on and so forth. And then you get to rookie camp and it, Dante scarnecki is the old line coach. And he'll put a pin in that just about as quick as anyone in the world because he's all about work. He wants to work. And my first day of rookie camp was just horrific. Like there's a specific drill that he does where you have to pound the post. Down and back, and then back at the forty-five, and back, and you have to do this plate punch while you're doing it. And there's a specific cadence that he wants to have done that done at. And I couldn't get that right, and he made me do it a hundred times, over and over and over and over, until I got it right. Oh my! And it was it was hard, and I was like, holy crap, this is the NFL. It wasn't about getting that phone call. It wasn't about talking to all those people about being drafted. It's like you, this is your job. You got to freaking grind. And that was like my wake up moment that first day of rookie camp.
0: That's wild. That that really is day one. You go in there. Coach Carnegie is in there and just grinding you in rookie camp and doing it till you get it right. And so after that day, I'm sure you had to mentally adjust, come back in, ready to roll. Uh, you get through camp and then from the Patriots, you went to, uh, I believe it was the Jets after that, right?
1: Yeah, that that one was interesting to me because I was so green in the NFL world. After camp, the Patriots had released me from the active roster. They put me on the practice squad I, obviously I want to develop. And then we got through week one and they said, We're going to release you from the practice squad, but stay in town because we're going to sign you in a week or two. We just need a quarterback mm-hmm. to take up the spot because the backup was hurt or something. And uh, I did, you know, I was not familiar with how the NFL worked like that or how, how the roster. So I was scared. I was like, holy crap, is my career already over. And the next day, the Jets called and said, we would like you to sign you you to our practice squad. And we're actually going to pay you almost active roster money to be on our practice squad because we wanted to draft you. So, you know, I jumped at that. And I do believe the Patriots are going to bring me back because Coach Belichick, when they released me, told me man to man. He said, we think you have a bright future. We know you can play the game. You just need to develop a little bit. Um, but I was I was so scared about my career being over already before it started that I took the first deal that came my way. And that, it wasn't terrible. The Jets weren't a good football team at the time. Eric Mangini was the head coach. Um, but I actually did end up playing in a couple of games late in the season. I was activated for the last two games of the season. Uh, got to play a few snaps in those games. And ultimately, the following year going into training camp, I was going to be the swing lineman. They had me play in every position except guard. I was having a, darn good training camp that year. And I just got hurt the night before our first preseason game really? uh, or tore, tore my uh, meniscus. So it was like an eight week, six to eight week injury. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up taking an injury waiver from them, but that's, that's pretty much how my career started. That's crazy. When you look back now thinking
0: about coach Skarnikia and staying in that Patriots organization or headed to the jets. And I know hindsight's always 2020 and being that being young and wanting to be employed, you, you made decisions. Uh, rightfully so. Do you look back and say, "I wonder if I would have handled things differently," or are you comfortable? What are you? What's your mindset now,
1: looking back on that decision
0: to go to the Jets?
1: Uh, a little bit of both those things. Part part of me certainly has some regret about not trusting the system in New England because I do think staying with Coach Skarneckiya would have been great for my career. He's such a great offensive line coach, and I think I, I think it probably could have or would have worked there, you know, staying healthy. Um, But it's hard to say taking the Jets offer wasn't good either because I was on the bubble of being a guy there. I was going to make the roster. I was going to be a swing lineman there in my um, second year in the NFL, and I just had an injury. So a little bit of both.
0: I get it. And injuries play a big deal, you know, obviously, especially with young developing talent in the NFL. It's so important to stay to stay healthy. What's the main difference you thought in in dealing with NFL coaches versus college coaches and what advice would you give to to a college kid coming out in the transition?
1: Uh, well, it's you certainly can't lump all coaches together. Every coach is a little bit different, but by and large the NFL is just about it's a business and it's all about production. And you're going to you're going to be evaluated on a day-to-day even an hour-to-hour basis on your level of production and if that falls even a little bit your job is at risk you know outside of once you're an established guy you're on your second contract then fine your job's probably not at risk but you're still being evaluated at all times so every every snap you get um all your hours in the weight room how much film you're watching you know there's always somebody watching to make sure you're producing at a professional level and uh, it's it's not quite that way in college, at least for most colleges. It might be that way at Alabama, but for most colleges it's not like that.
0: Yeah, you're for sure. Alabama, man, how good's their staff and how much how many resources do they have? Holy cow. I think they a, as a coach and they just reload, don't they?
1: Yeah, that's all they do. Reload. It's it's uh it's pretty nice when you got 22 first round guys on your roster any given year, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was looking at Coach Beamer. He gave an interview. Did you have a chance to see Coach Beamer's interview uh, today or yesterday when someone asked him why Georgia's defense was so good, what what they were doing to be so good against uh, South Carolina?
1: Now, what did he say?
0: He, he, just, he basically just said, well, they got five-star kids all over the field that are physical that all run faster than everyone on this call. And, you know, when you have great athletes that are well-coached and physical, they really don't need to come up with great <laughs> schemes. They just show up and beat you.
1: Yeah.
0: And you could see his frustration, but man, that defense from George is pretty special. That's about right. Um, So what about, I'm interested to hear before we move on to your next career at Madden, which is phenomenal. What about finding an agent? What was hard from your perspective as to finding an agent, settling on an agent, trusting the agent and moving through that process?
1: For me, it was just a, a new world. I had new, You know, the agent I ended up hiring was the first agent that ever contacted me. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was three or four that I was considering, but it was just like, what am I actually evaluating? I don't know what makes a good agent. I've never had an agent. I don't even know what an agent does. Um, So at the end of the day, I met with all of them a a few times. And really I just took the approach of, I'm going to trust my gut. Which guy do I trust the most? And they're, you know, all, all the agents had different deals, um, but I, I, I'm confident I made the right choice because, uh, two things happened. Number one, my agent, his name is Kevin Van Rye. I, I don't know if he's an agent anymore. He's probably just being a lawyer. I haven't spoken to him in a while, but he was a guy that was a blue collar guy. He wasn't making me any promises about the things that I knew he wouldn't be able to, to actually pay. Um, and he was just all about, let's let's go find an opportunity. I'm going to work hard for you. You work hard for me. This is a partnership. And that's that's the, the type of that i ended up gravitating towards Mm -hmm. other agents were throwing all kinds of crazy things out there that i felt like were way out in the future things that i didn't need to consider at that time i was just worried about getting on a roster um probably more so being from wyoming i contributed to that but i I do remember one agent who i actually considered very strongly signing with um i had to have postseason surgery after my senior year at colorado state i dislocated my wrist and I played the, the entire season with a wrist injury. And as soon as the season ended, I got surgery on it, which prevented me from doing any strength training until it had healed. So I couldn't couldn't do the bench test at pro day. I didn't get invited to the combine. And I remember once he found out that I had to have that surgery, he basically called, not basically, he did, he called me on the phone. He said, I no longer want to sign you. Um your career's over. You, you can't do the bench this offseason. You're not gonna, you're not gonna make it. We're done. And that was a moment that I, I was thankful that I I uh, wanted to choose the other guy anyways.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, in retrospect, you're still around the NFL. You, you know, I think we all understand the value of the bench and, and footwork. You know, if you could be as good a good at bench as an alignment or, or have really good feet and, and lower body strength and technique, I think we'd all take the latter. But that's kind of wild, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that was another kind of welcome to the professionals moment. Like the guy just called and said, I don't, I'm not interested in anymore. Sorry. Uh, it's like, all right, well, you were choice number two anyways. I'll be all right.
0: On the hash is brought to you by exist tribe, a company bringing sleep technology to the world. Those of you that know me know that I preach that mental health is a priority in everyone's life from breath work to cold therapy, to sleeping, we must prioritize ourselves and our mental health to be more present with our players and family. Exist Tribe is dedicated to improving the sleep health of the world by offering sleep technologies and furthering sleep science. For more information, please visit existtribe.com. Well, it worked out, and then you get done playing after five years, rolling through the NFL, and. You- you know, uh, spent a lot of time up there th- through the Rams, Broncos, Vikings, Redskins. Um, ultimately got injured, I think, again in one of your final years with the Redskins, right?
1: Yeah, I always spot little nagging injuries. There was three times in my career that I, you know, you're always on that, until you reach that second contract, you're always on the roster bubble. And all three times I was right on the verge of making it over that bubble, something, something would hit. And... After X amount of years, for me, it was four and a half. You start to run out of opportunities because there's always more guys coming in every year. There's always more guys coming in. It's highly competitive business. So that last one, actually, I um, was in camp. The starter was hurt. So I started camp as the starter with the Redskins. And then about a week into training camp, I got a concussion. And it was one of the weirdest moments of my football career because we were sitting, I didn't know I had a concussion. We were sitting in the film room after practice, evaluating the film and coach was asking me what I was doing on these, on this series of plays. And I just sat there and I couldn't remember anything from practice. And he, he thought I was, I was BSing him at first. Cause it was like, I wasn't giving him clear answers. And then finally said, coach, like I legitimately don't remember this part of practice. And so he pulled me out of the meeting, sent me down to the trainer's room and I got diagnosed with concussion. And I was out like seven or 10 days or something like that. So I missed the the most critical part of training camp, which was the first two weeks. And uh, by then, my spot had been taken over uh, by a rookie. Uh, by the time I got back, there was no playing time left. And so that's when I started to realize my time in pro football was probably coming to an end. So I had to look for something else.
0: And then I think your brother contacts you, of all people, about a possible opportunity at Madden, right?
1: Yeah, he he found an advertisement on the ESPN.com website about EA Sports looking for uh, former players uh, to come in on an internship, without really much more context than that. And he said this might be a good opportunity for you to put like a resume together because I've never done that. So I said, yeah, that that sounds awesome. Always been a, a gamer, always played EA Sports games. So uh, put my resume in in for that internship, and ultimately ended up getting selected for that uh, 16 week internship there in uh, beginning of 2012.
0: So then you go in, you you get your internship and how long after your internship do you get hired and into
1: what role? Um, I got hired as a a gameplay designer um, about halfway through that internship, about eight eight to 10 weeks in, um, they cut it short and offered me a full-time job. And I ended up retiring in quote unquote from football. A couple days later, when I accepted the position, I'd actually signed previous to taking the internship, I'd signed a contract with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and CFL. I was going to go play in the Canadian League. And I vividly remember being in a mini camp they had held in Tampa during my EA internship. I took off from work to go participate in the mini camp. And I just remember feeling that I was. I did. I more desired being at EA doing my job than I did being on the field at that point in my career. So I knew it was time to hang it up. And I don't regret that at all because EA has been phenomenal for me.
0: I see, I see you getting interviewed. I see the things you get to do, the relationships you've created. Maybe get into that in a minute. But It certainly seems, you know, especially in in light of your background growing up in Gillette as a coach's kid and always into sports and multiple sports and basketball and playing video games and and loving video games at a young age and playing with your brother, that this really has became like a dream job to you. And now it's morphed into uh, both being a radio, um, excuse me, a ratings adjuster, I think, and uh, a producer, Correct.
1: Yeah, so I've I've pretty much run the run the gamut here. I started entry level design. It's called um, Associate Designer Two, is what I came in on. And first project I worked on was pass blocking, uh, which went fairly well. And let's see, that would have been Madden. Shoot, I don't know. They're all kind of running together now. I think I was Madden thirteen. I think, <laughs> yeah, Madden thirteen. Um, so I worked my way up through the designer ranks eventually. Uh, about four years ago, I was uh, promoted all the way up to senior designer. Um, I'm a producer now, which is more of a leadership position. I'm, I'm the product owner, business owner for the gameplay team. We handle everything that happens between the white lines. So it's just been an upward trajectory. But your point about a dream job, um, I'm still involved in the game. We're con- Madden NFL is considered the, the 33rd NFL franchise because of our access to the sport and the athletes and the refs and the coaches. So most of all, I'm just blessed to still be involved in the game of football. The ratings adjuster team that we have here, that I'm a member of, that you mentioned, that's just a little cherry on top that I love being a part of. And what does it? It's
0: fascinating too. The ratings ratings adjuster. What does what do the ratings adjusters do during season? And and do they go out to games? Stay home? Watch games all year?
1: A, l- a little bit of all of that. So you know, pre-COVID, we'd go to we'd go to a few games a year, uh, send some resources out to some games to watch. We're certainly watching all the games on Sunday, watching the games we can't watch on film, reading scouting reports. We're like advanced scouts. Uh, we're just evaluating players real time, making uh, making sure our ratings are as authentic as possible, making sure the gameplay that uses those ratings is authentic as possible.
0: And that was going to be my next question. Are you guys going off stats, or are you going off more scouting characteristics uh, as far as leverage, you know, quickness, ability to, to rush the passer, those sorts of things?
1: Oh, scouting, scouting for sure. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to trivialize the meaning of stats because I know it's really important to both players and fans alike. But stats only tell part of the story. You know, you could have a quarterback that has a bad stat line through a couple picks, doesn't have a good completion percentage. What the story doesn't tell is how much pressure he was under, whether his receivers were catching the ball, did his slot receiver catch the hot check on the blitz, off two coming off the edge, you know, things like that that aren't reflected in the stat line that we need to pay attention to to tell a more complete story.
0: How many guys do you have that are almost like advanced scouts out there evaluating film at men?
1: Um, Our ratings adjusted team is about 10, 10 folks deep and it's not just guys, we, ha- we have girls on the team too. It's basically, uh, we call it an extracurricular club here at EA. Everyone on the team has a regular job, a day-to-day job at EA that pays the bills. That's an additional club reserved for very passionate folks who really love the game of football.
0: That's awesome, man. That's really awesome. And do you take uh, any type of like scouting course or do you just kind of pick the brains of scouts when you can?
1: We'll talk to anyone and everyone we can. We talk to a lot of coaches, players, scouts, whomever. But mostly we take our lens of scouting, quote unquote, is through the lens of the Madden gameplay. So whatever the ratings, those 56 ratings that all the players in our game have, they do a very specific thing or multiple things in our game. And we're evaluating through that lens. If I want Tyree Kill to run X speed in Madden, that means his speed rating needs to be Y. Does the film and the data that we have support that rating? In, in a nutshell, I'm oversimplifying, but in a nutshell.
0: Understood. Do you guys use the next level? Um, does the NFL, PA or NFL make available the, the next gen stats for you too? So you can look at miles per hour ran or do you guys evaluate that at all?
1: Yeah, NFL Next Gen Stats is actually a partner of ours, and we debuted it in our game in Madden 21 on the Generation 5 consoles. Not only do we use that as a, a data point for ratings, but it's also really integrated into our gameplay. We're actually able to take the data that they provide to us for something, say, like route running, speed, direction, acceleration, of actual routes run by NFL players on the field. We can import that data into our animation engine, and then we just have to match up our animation with the data and boom, you get a realistic route. Like Devonte Adams ran on Sunday. That's what Devonte Adams is going to run in the game. Speed direction acceleration based on the data we get from them. It's
0: fascinating, man. Fascinating. Last question. Relationships. You've gotten, you touched on it earlier, you've gotten to talk to coaches, scouts, players, the, the relationships that this job has given you has probably been tremendous. I'm curious about the relationship that you got to build with Madden. Um, Mr. Coach Madden, John Madden. um, Can you describe that, kind of how that
1: blossomed and describe how that relationship is? Yeah, that's probably my favorite thing of working on this game is, you know, excluding pandemic time. Uh, Every year we got to go meet Coach Madden at his studio, and I hope to do it again here when the pandemic ends. Um, One of the greatest – experiences that I've ever had to just sit and talk football with Coach Madden for a full day. Uh, we typically go out there and show him what our creative plans are for the year, let him give us some input on what he likes, doesn't like, um, and then we just go watch football and just talk shop uh, for a full day of NFL football games. And how the, how my relationship with him got started was interesting because I actually got to go on, on my first trip when I was still an intern way back in 2012. They took me visit to Coach Madden, there's you, about 10 people who get to go every year. And the pass blocking feature I told you about that I was building, we had coined ID the mic. That was the name of the feature. And so we had said that to Coach Madden, and he said, you guys throw this term around a lot, ID the mic. Can anyone in this room actually tell tell me what it means, what it actually means in a football sense? And uh, you know my background playing offensive line, I knew what it meant, and I could tell him exactly what it meant. And ever since I passed his quiz, to make sure he knew I wasn't BSing him, uh, he and I have had a really good relationship.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome, Clint. Well, anything
1: else? Anything
0: else that anyone getting ready to play Madden 22 should know, or uh, for this year?
1: Yeah, Madden 22 uh, just came out last month, August 20th, here about a month ago. Um, Like usual chock full of new cool things to check out. We have dynamic game day, which is our, uh, our our new innovation across all of our modes. Deals with momentum and home field advantage to play into that a little bit, NFL atmospheres. Uh, upgraded AI for players who like to play against just the CPU teams, make that more challenging, realistic. There's also next gen stats tied into how our AI players play. And then in, uh, environments, so crowd, weather, things like that, having a bigger impact on the game, presentation, next-gen stat overlays. Um, that's the primary one, but there's so much more. So if you get an opportunity, to go out and check it out. And the best thing about the day and age that we live in now, with everything being connected on the internet, uh, we continue to support our game all year long. So if you pick it up August, September, October, November, at any point, there's always new stuff going into the game.
0: I love it. I love it. And uh, Clint, it's a pleasure talking to you. Um, congrats on how everything's went, and thank you, and and I tr- really mean that. And thank you uh, for the time. Um, I know yeah. you're busy, know you're right in the middle of the season, and it means a ton. So, um, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, appreciate it very much, man. And to you, I I enjoyed watching you play too back in the day. You're a heck of a player. Thanks, my man. Hey,
0: best wishes. Good luck with the game this year, and uh, good talking to you. All right, take care, my friend. All right, have a good one.